Welcome, everyone. My name's Rick Bonkowski, and this is the Amped Up to 11 podcast. I'm very, very excited today about our guest. Uh, Christina Stevens is here, uh, otherwise known as the Amputee OT. Christina is someone that I have followed actually for a long time. When I became an amputee myself, uh, she had content that, to be quite honest, was pretty important for me in terms of, I think, realizing that being an amputee, although strange and quirky at times, can be pretty normal. Uh, Christina is a public speaker, an educator, uh, an occupational therapist, which is incredibly important for amputees. Uh, Christina, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me on here. It's a pleasure. You know, um, I can't stress enough how important the content that you develop is for myself personally, but obviously based on the following that you have, um, it's such an important thing for all of us in this community. Developing new normals when it comes to being an amputee can be a challenge. And I, I really enjoy your humor um, and just sort of your perspective in the way that you present what it's like to be an amputee. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a very vulnerable place that you put yourself in which I appreciate very much. So in terms of stigma and all of the things that amputees tend to struggle with, you know, when they, when they realize that, that this is going to happen, um, I, I really feel like you remove a lot of that sort of weight. And I, I, I very much appreciate that. I, I wanted to touch on something. I actually um, found you through a uh, through a video you did, which I I'm sure you recall, which you can speak more to, um, I believe went viral. It was you had actually created a prosthetic leg with Legos. Can can you kind of walk me through that? Like how that happened? What gave you that idea? Definitely. So. Oh man, that video is old. It's like <laughs> probably eight years old now, I would say. Uh, that makes me feel old too, but that's all right. I'm trying to age gracefully. Uh, so that video got created. I was working in a research lab and one of my research colleagues actually suggested I make it. He's like, you should make a prosthetic leg out of Legos. And I'm like, that is actually a really funny idea. So I'm going to do that. So I went home, set up my camera, got my boxes of Legos out and just built this leg. And uh, I knew it wouldn't be functional, but that wasn't really the point. The point was really just to make a video that I thought would be fun. Uh, and also, I guess maybe I realized a little bit later that building a prosthetic leg for myself, is kind of like, it's almost like a metaphor for rebuilding your life after amputation because there's there's changes that you go through when you become an amputee and you almost have to rebuild your life and reframe 
who you are and what your life means to you. And so to me, it's kind of like a metaphor for that, for rebuilding yourself. That's, Although I wasn't honestly thinking about that at the time. I just thought it would be funny to make a funny video. Well, that's, it, I, that's thought, I love that commentary because I, I never looked at it really in that way, the rebuilding, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, theme, like, Hey, I'm, I'm rebuilding my life here. I'm, I'm building my leg. And it was, it was something that as a new amputee, I hadn't, I hadn't even done a, uh, a prep socket yet. So I hadn't really even seen a prosthetist yet. So of course, there's so many different um, questions that come into one's mind, you know, when they're sort of preparing for that process. And I have to say that that video just really resonated with me and connected with me. And I thought, hey, I, in a way, although it is a complex thing, prosthetics are complex and that whole process can be very complex it sort of gave me this feeling like it's not really that complicated. Like she, <laughs> you built a leg with Legos. And again, I agree. It wasn't functional. I think the foot fell off and it fell apart. Yeah. And that was kind of, I didn't think it was going to be functional. I thought it was going to break and I, I totally expected that. And I'm like, well, it's going to break and I'm going to laugh. Right. And that's just going to be part of the video is me laughing at it. And maybe can show people that when their leg doesn't work, that they can just laugh about it. And just Yeah, it, and- it, it touched me in a way that made me feel like things were a little more normal, that it wasn't all just so bizarre. And um, it gave me a, a, just a sense of hope. And n- not that that was necessarily your intention in doing that, because um, obviously you were on your own journey, but it was something that uh, sort of was the spark that got me interested in what you were doing and, um, you know, wanting to see you develop, you know, through, through your ampu, amputee journey and all the things that um, you've come to at this particular point in time. And I actually didn't realize that it was that long ago because I, I actually um, became an amputee in 2017 so that certainly wasn't eight years ago, but your that video in, in particular was something that was just like a touchstone for me. And um, you know, I wanted to to discuss with you a little bit um about how you became an amputee as well. Because as I meet more amputees and I'm in more groups and I talk to more people online. The stories are just, they're just vastly unique um, as far as how we all arrive at this place. It sounds like you have a little one. I do. And he and my husband are in the bathroom. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing in there. Well, that's okay. That's real life. Um, I was wondering if you could sort of walk me through you know, what led to your, uh, your amputation. Now I know you're an above the knee now, but back then I believe you started as a below knee amputee, correct? I did. Okay. So I, uh, I was working on my car trying to change my brakes and 
the car, the jack came loose and the car fell on my foot. So I would recommend not doing that. And yeah. <laughs> uh, so it broke all the bones in my foot. And then I ended up getting MRSA from being in the hospital probably. And then the surgeon was like, well, you're going to have to do all this treatment for your MRSA. And then you're going to have to do several years of surgeries on your foot. And I'm like, you know what? Just cut it off. I don't want to do two and a half years of surgery and then end up with this like non-functional lump at the end of my leg. So why don't you just amputate it? And if you don't mind me stopping you for a second, because I think that's a really, really um, important part of you know your journey specifically. So, so when you say we had this conversation, it was just a almost sounds like you're characterizing this as I just knew, like I'm not going to do this. Was was it truly that that easy? I shouldn't say easy, but as immediate of an answer was was there um, any soul searching was there any process that you had to go through to to evoke that that response I, i'm kind of fascinated by that there was so i'm a very practical and research oriented person uh you know my my degree sort of lends that to me and also i that was the favorite my favorite part of doing uh school going to med school was doing research and publishing research. And so when I had this injury, I went to the research literature and I looked at limb salvage versus amputation because I wanted to look at outcome measures and see what uh, path would end up with me having a more functional life. And it turned out from reading the research literature that uh, limb amputation versus limb salvage was often more functional and people um, felt that they had made the better decision to amputate their limb rather than to try to save their limb. And that limb salvage often didn't work and led to amputation anyway. And so based on that research, I decided to that I would rather live a more functional life and get my leg amputated below the knee rather than try to go through these limb salvage surgeries that may not be helpful and end up with a fused ankle and possible amputations of some of my toes regardless and just skip all that and just cut to the chase basically. So, so given that, you know, you're an OT, you're an occupational therapist and your background, it, it sounds like it was sort of you were viewing this through kind of like a medical lens in terms of, you know, calculating outcomes and which is a really um, kind of unique perspective because so many, so many of us that end up with an amputation obviously don't have any kind of medical background. So there is so much in regards of uh, unknowns. And I can honestly say that aside from some conversations with my surgeon, you know, I didn't do really a whole lot of medical sort of research 
Um, I did actually take the time to watch uh, the procedure, you know, a, a, a BK procedure um, online, just to understand like what was happening or what was going to happen. But as far as, you know, the potentialities or the outcomes or, you know, doing that calculus, um, that really wasn't something that I had considered in, in terms of uh, what's going to be best for me. And um, it sounds to me like you arrived pretty quickly at that determination. Like, yeah, this, th- this is going to be the best thing for me. Yeah, I would, I would say that's true. Um, and I definitely have the benefit of having a medical background. So I, I realize that that's a, a privilege that not everybody has. I would say that uh, I see a lot in like various amputee groups. Uh, somebody who's considering getting an amputation will go into those groups and basically crowdsource uh, what they think should be done in terms of whether or not they should salvage their limb or amputate it. That's probably what a lot of people do uh, if they don't have a medical background, which, I mean, that's a viable thing to do to crowdsource opinions about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I've seen some of that going on too, Um, which I I, I think in some regards can be a little murky. Um, Oh, yeah, definitely. Because you've got a lot of people out there, and and don't get me wrong, please, you know, well-intentioned, very supportive, very loving people. And it's it's so important to seek out, you know, really, you know, really, really valuable sources, people like yourself, medical people, um, certainly uh, people in the world of prosthetics. Uh, again, you know, a part of my journey that I didn't know, truly, I did not know anything about. Um, I, I think the first time that I learned... Uh, you know, I was facing an amputation. I mean, I did what what everyone does. I shouldn't say everyone, but what most people do. You know, I went I went to Doctor Google, and oh, yeah, of course, you know, and I I made an appointment with Doctor Google, and I said, you know, what what is this going to look like? Because I I think a lot of a, a lot of folks out there go to that place of, well, how am I going to look? you know, when I'm wearing, you know, a prosthesis. Um, so, which which seems a little backwards because it's like, well, that's sort of secondary to all the other things that you have to manage. But um, what's interesting as well about your particular situation is going from a below the knee, you know, a BK, to an above the knee, which is an AK, and can you explain to me a little bit more? I know you've touched this a bit, you know, in your video blog, but can you help me understand a little bit better um, what happened there in terms of that that progressing or that developing into an above-the-knee um, amputation? Uh, yes, so that was kind of due to a number of factors. So the myodesis... And, uh, I may be having some of my medical terms a little bit off here, so correct me if I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm like, is that the correct medical term? And I have to Google it and figure out if it's the correct one. Anyway, so the myo, the myodesis in the BK amputee, which is where they secure the muscle flap to the bone, 
failed, so it didn't secure properly. And I had a lot of muscle atrophy. And in addition, I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder. And so all of that contributed to me over time not being able to wear my prosthesis very well or at all. And I actually took like a two-year hiatus from YouTube and publishing stuff. And part of that reason was that I was not happy with my prosthesis not being very functional. And I don't know, I guess I didn't, maybe I didn't want to post about it um, because I wanted to show myself being successful. But then I decided that I really need to show what reality looks like. And so if I'm getting an above the knee amputation, then I'm going to show what that is like and not just retire from YouTube because I'm not a BK anymore. Um, and so then I went ahead and did that amputation. And then uh, again, due to my Ehlers-Danlos, I, ha I even had complications from the AK amputation. So I've had to have uh, two revisions. Yeah, I want, I want to get into that um, in a moment. But if you don't mind me just backing up a little bit, what 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 you're saying about um, this idea of wanting to be successful, um, I think this is something that I know is a big thing for me as well. Being high functioning, wanting to do all the things I used to do, and um, to be quite honest, to do them better. There's there's sort of this uh, this thing that we we you know it's like it's like facing down a mountain to a certain degree because there's such a huge change and of course I don't I I didn't know you um, through your blogging before you became an amputee so it, it's it's hard for me to understand the person that you were before that but I'm assuming you are an active person. Um, you know, uh, just as active as you are now. And, and I think relative to most amputees that I know, um, you're very, an incredibly active person. And, and you do, you know, you do a lot of things that are very, very physical. Um, and I admire your balance too, by the way, because you can hop around like, like I can't, I can't hop around the way that you do. So I'm I'm so blown away by the fact that you can uh that you can you can make your bed <laughs> and hop around the room, you know, it's I just don't have that sense of balance. I don't know where that comes from. And I know you have other things that you do physically that I'm sure enhance your 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 balance. Um but yeah, it that video was pretty impressive to me. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I uh I've been practicing my balance. Even since I was a BK, I would wake up in the morning and before I put my leg on, I would intentionally stand at the sink and brush my teeth and brush my hair on one leg, balancing the entire time just to improve on my balance. Yeah, no, it's it's impressive. And I'm and I'm working on that as well. Uh as long as I have a, you know, a countertop or a wall or something nearby, I feel pretty comfortable testing myself in that regard. Um but I think the piece about, you know, um, wanting to not let 
the people around you down. You know, and and doing what you do in terms of the video blog, um, you know, that that's that's sort of a mental game there, you know, in terms of, hey, you know, I'm I'm putting this out there. This is what I am, this is what I do. And, you know, setbacks like that, you know, really humanize us. And I think it shows tremendous courage on your part to sort of push into that and to kind of come back to that place of, hey, this is just part of my journey. This is part of the process for so many of being an amputee, because obviously, you know, BKs, um, I'm sure have that thought of, you know, hey, at, at what point am I going to become an above the knee? Because there, 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 there's so many different conditions and reasons and, and things that can occur that can create, you know, create those circumstances. And to look at someone like yourself and say, yeah, but that's, that's a potentiality. And I see someone here that completely has made that adjustment and is, you know, completely in a fluid way. And you might say, well, it wasn't that fluid for me. But from the lens that I'm looking through, it was as if you didn't miss a beat, that it was, okay, this is just a whole, whole new set of, uh, you know, prosthetics. This is a different, uh, you know, type of system that I have to get used to. This is a different uh, type of walking style. All of those things that you could probably speak to personally. And and I really, really admire that. Um, and you can be honest and say, you know, for you, it was, it was completely different. But, you know, it, it, it's something that's pretty impressive. I got to say it. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, so I felt like when I was looking like I was going to become an above the amputee, that people were going to say, well, you should have just chosen the salvage surgeries and mm-hmm. you made a mistake by getting a below the knee amputation. And so you built up this YouTube channel around, you know, you, you chose amputation to be more functional than salvage well now being an ak amputee is not really more functional than salvage probably so uh you failed at your mission of being more functional but then i realized that that is reality and it's not a failure and this is just another thing that i want to show people so that they understand what amputee life is like and they understand that you know going from bk to ak is something that is a possibility that they should weigh uh and consider might happen one day and that if that does happen one day then my channel will be there to show what it looks like for me yeah that's that's such a beacon for so many people and so impactful for whether you are already an above the knee or you are a below the knee and you've ever had, you know, that fear, you know, based on, you know, whatever conditions you have 
or how well you're adjusting to to being a below the knee that um things can be normal you know there's there's something so beautiful to me about that normalization that you bring you know to your video blog that uh really allows you know amputees let's say the families of amputees you know partners of amputees to look at that and say you know that's that's all just pretty normal everyday kind of life kind of stuff and um it's it's just like any anything else in life you get to a point where you think well this is just part of the process you know there 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 is no there is no advancement unless your path just continues to move forward so when you start getting into that well i should have did this or maybe i should have done that you know um I, I I think your attitude is is on the mark to go. Well, this is just what I am now, and this is what I'm going to present. And you, you're bringing your your best self, you know, to that situation. And I think it 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 just it it speaks very loudly in the messaging. Um, and I think that's why so many people appreciate what you do. Um, now I know you said, and I and I have I have been. Um, you know, I have been watching some of your more recent uh, posts and blogs, and I know you went through a revision. Kind of uh, describe to me what that was all about. Okay, so the most recent one was I had a bunch of excess skin and tissue removed from the end of my residual limb. It ended up being two pounds of it. So my leg uh, was really super floppy and there was just all this excess tissue hanging off the end of my residual limb and it was impacting my ability to walk on my prosthesis because when you have it's it's kind of like walking around with your leg in a big water balloon it's almost no, like it's almost like your residual limb is just a bowl of jello i would assume yeah it was it was and if you look at i even now i i you'll in a couple of weeks, I'm publishing a video where I do like a before and after and I do a side by side. Oh, that's and great. Great. Even I, and it, it was my own leg. I am shocked. I'm like, oh my goodness. I cannot believe how floppy that thing was. And it was on my body. Like I just, it was just a part of me. And now that it's gone and my leg is like firm and, and tight. And when I look at the old videos where it was just flopping around, I'm like, whoa. Today on Amps You Should Know, I want to talk about Tom Allred. Uh, he is a fellow amputee. He's 72 years old. He's actually been an amputee for 60 years. Uh, he is a bilateral, above the knee, and um, he's an incredibly active guy. He loves motorcycles. He's a pilot, loves riding his bike. He loves going on horseback. And loves cruising on the open seas. Uh, he's currently retired, but he is a volunteer as well with a couple of nonprofit organizations in his local area. He is an amputee advocate, and he is definitely someone that you should know. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting Tom myself, 
actually through uh, Martin Bionics. And Tom is a quiet, uh, gentle, patient man, very wise, and incredibly offering of himself and his knowledge as an amputee. He's obviously very high-functioning. Um, I know he's still out there doing uh, all kinds of 5Ks and all kinds of active stuff, even at his, uh, at his ripe age. He is truly an inspiration to all of us. I would certainly recommend um, you looking up Tom. Uh, you can actually uh, visit Tom at theamputeenomad.com amputeenomad.com. Um, I would definitely recommend reaching out to Tom if you have the time. He's an incredibly giving individual, and he is definitely an amputee that you should know. Now, now with an above the knee, you know, kind of bear with me because obviously I'm a BK. Um, what is the system that's employed typically with an AK amp, um, in terms of getting that, you know, that rigidity that, uh, you know, you, f you feel, a, you know, like a solid feel when you're developing your gait and you're moving around. Um, not, not a hundred percent clear on what your question is exactly. Are you talking about the suspension system for well, the prosthetics? I, because it's uncharted for me, I think we're talking about you know, what type of liner is this, is this suction? Is this vacuum? Um, and then I know with above the knee, now we're talking about, you know, uh, what type of knee you're using. Um, can you get into some of the prosthetics end of it? Because obviously given that I'm a BK and I'm, I'm clueless when it, when it, everything transitions to an above the knee, you know, or you could tell me, hey, it, it's actually very similar, but you can speak to both forms of amputation. And, you know, what does that hardware look like? I can. And actually, uh, just last night, I was thinking about the different suspension systems and how, since I've tried so many of them, both as an AK and as a BK, that I'd really like to make a video comparing all of them. So that's cool. So uh, typically, so the basic suspension systems like the pin lock system, you can still do as an AK. You can do suction. You can do direct fit, which is no liner whatsoever. You can do uh, elevated vacuum. Uh, you can do a proximal lock. So a lot of the systems are similar in that regard. Um, the difference being that you can't roll a liner up over your knee and up your thigh because you don't have a knee. Uh, and in my case, I don't have a whole lot of thigh, but obviously it would roll up into your, into your groin. So you can only go so far as far as your liners go. Uh, and that poses some challenges because you basically have less of a, an oblong surface area compared to a BK, especially if you have a short amputation. And so, and you also have heavier components. 
than a VK amputation. You know, a typical VK prosthetic is maybe five pounds or something. My AK is 10 pounds. Oh, wow. And so getting it to stay on my body has been the biggest challenge. Whereas that really wasn't as big of a challenge for me as a BK. So do you feel like you're expending more energy um, as an AK than you were as a BK? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, so that's really important of note. Um, I believe my prosthesis is seven and a half pounds. And um, I think I'm reaching a point currently where there are certainly moments that I don't even feel like I'm wearing it, um, you know, throughout the day. It's, it's just, it's, it's sort of become an extension of me now. Whereas it's, it sounds like maybe a little bit more of an adjustment period as an AK, or am I not, am I not reading that right? Oh no, you're definitely reading that right. Okay. Uh, I, I felt that way as a BK too, that I would kind of forget that my leg was a prosthetic. I wouldn't really forget, but yeah, it was the same thing. It kind of became an extension of me. I was completely used to it and the way it moved. Right. And uh, an AK is much, much heavier. And uh, it's, I don't know that I'll ever get to the point where I just forget that I, that it's an AK leg. It's, it's just so much more apparent from the weight of it hanging on me. It's actually more energy efficient for me to just use crutches and just crutch around, but I don't like, cause I like to use a prosthesis. How long have you officially been an AK? You may have, you may have answered that already. So I pardon me, but how long has it been? I didn't. Uh, let me think. Okay. So one, a year and two months. Okay. And wow. seems like you heal fast. Is that true? I don't, I don't, I think I heal at a normal rate for a healthy person. Okay. Without any other comorbid. Well, I think I heal at a rate that is typical for a person who doesn't have too many comorbidities that would slow or delay wound healing. Okay. And as far as your prosthesis, how many versions or how many tweaks or changes have you gone through in terms of? the prosthesis itself, or are you still in the original? Well, I guess because of the revision, you're in something completely different now, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, anytime there's any changes made to your limb, you're going to have to change at least the socket. Uh, uh, the original leg that my insurance paid for, which is the the X3 knee and then the foot, the echelon foot, I, those haven't really changed, but my socket has changed. Uh, I've, when I've gone through many iterations of sockets and the length has changed a little bit via the pylon because uh, my leg got shorter. Yeah. And so I've gone through, I've had, I, I can't even count the number of check sockets. And then I've had two definitive carbon uh, leg sockets. And now I'm in a check socket. Well, I think, I think all this information is important, um, specifically because I think the one thing 
that I did not realize was it's a real process. And there's a, a real evolution that goes on with um, not only the formation of your limb in that it's always changing uh, depending on so many different factors, but also the hardware needed to sort of play along with those changes in your limb. Um, I'm, I'm sure when this all started for me, I was like, okay, give me my leg and I'm done. You know? Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Where do I pick it up? And, you know, uh, I'm sure I had silly ideas in my head. Like, yeah, you sleep with this thing, you shower with it. And, you know, it's just, you just wear it all the time. Um, Right. Yeah. Or if I need a leg, I can just go to eBay and buy (laughs) any old leg as long as it's the right side and just pop it on. That'll work. Every, Every once in a while, I'll see a post about someone trying to sell, you know, different prosthetic things. And I'm like, okay, well, we need to back up a little bit and, you know, qualify and make sure, you know, that some, someone can actually get a good use out of something. Um, but, you know, point being, there, there's so much tweaking that goes on. There's, there's, there's so many little things that can make differences in our ability to, um, to advance to keep moving forward, to not get stuck at, at a particular, um, fitness level or, you know, an emotional place uh, with this, with this, uh, this prosthesis that we're, you know, living with. It's, it's our little buddy. It's, it's, it's there all the time. And, um, I think it's important for so many of us to understand that that's what you're in for. It's that's just how it is, and once I think you embrace that, things become a lot easier because that is really the new normal, wouldn't you say? I would definitely say so. That's uh, that's why I have so many videos of me hanging out at the prosthetist, you know, doing goofy things in the in the waiting room in the or in the treatment room while I'm waiting, and why on my various social media, pretty much every time I go to the prosthetist, I post something about it because I want amputees to understand that they don't just pick up their leg and go home with it, that it's a long and drawn out process. Yeah. There's no drive-through window for the, uh, for the prosthetics that we, uh, that we employ, you know? Right. And understanding that they're going to have to go back to the prosthetist for, you know, weekly for months. And then maybe taper off to every couple months and maybe taper off to a year between visits if they're super lucky is just part of the process. And if they're, they know that going into it, then it's going to be much less frustrating than being like, why am I in this office again? I need adjustments again. Ugh, my prosthetist is no good. That's they're so, always adjusting my leg. You're, you're so right. And that's so true because I do witness that negative energy online. And I see the frustration and it's, it's, um, it's something that concerns me only because, you know, you want to help people understand that expectations have to be set at a certain place, that this is a process. This is going to take time. It's going to take energy. 
But if you invest in it, if you really invest in it and you do the research and you watch, you know, the kind of blogs and the videos that you put out and others like you put out, it's, it's, it's a full engagement. And that's when you really start making progress because it just becomes part of your lifestyle. You know, I'm one of those people, I, I've never believed in the concept of a diet, you know, like, Hey, I'm going on a diet. Um, for me, it's always been, I want to change my life. I want to change my lifestyle. It's not really a temporary thing. Being an amputee is not a temporary thing. It's not, I'm going to do, 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 do. I'm going to go to the prosthetist. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. And I'm done. It doesn't work that way. It is a lifelong contract. It is, I'm committed to the betterment of myself and hopefully the others around me that I touch in my life. And I'm really going to sign on for this. It's really important stuff. And I think um, that's why the work that you do is so important. Uh, the, the fact that you're an occupational therapist, I want to I get into that a little bit. When I was in rehab myself, my, um, my OT was incredibly important to me. She was wonderful. Um, she took me through so many different uh, exercises and practices, getting me ready essentially to go home and be independent again. Can you, can you help me understand you know, outside of, you know, the, the internet world and all the other things that you do, what is, what is that like for you as an OT? Well, I'm not technically practicing as an OT right now. So I, I don't know if I can really comment on that. Uh, so instead of doing that, I do self-employment stuff, but the the home care company that I worked with before I was a BK amputee, I recently contacted them and was like, Hey, do you want this AK amputee to come back and be on your team? And they said, yes. So I'm going to be starting to do some home care with them. And uh, my hope is to be able to specialize in doing rehabilitation with other amputees, although that's not the the specialty of the home care company. Uh, I got lofty dreams for what I want to do with my career, but uh, I'm not doing a whole lot of them at the moment. No, that's that's okay. And I appreciate the clarification. So you were practicing more before you became an amputee, correct? Yes. And then I, I practiced after I became an amputee. Um, and then I was doing assessments for Colorado for a while, which is a paratransit. And then that kind of went by the wayside with COVID and stuff. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. So I've just been doing um, various self-employment things, but not, not practicing as an OT for the past couple of years. Right. And, you know, obviously occupational therapy was a critical piece for myself. Um, rehab in general. Uh, is a huge piece of the puzzle. And, you know, it breaks my heart when I, when I hear folks, you know, that have gone through an amputation talk about not doing rehab, you know, talk about, 
uh, you know, getting stitched up, bandaged up, and going home, and trying to navigate uh, the rigors, you know, of this new this new path, this new journey, without those tools. Um, I was really fortunate, you know, I spent uh, six, I think six or seven weeks in rehab um, at an actual, you know, rehabilitation center where it was, you know, all kinds of, you know, different things that were uh, wonderful resources to uh, build strength, mobility, and do all of the practical things. You know, I, I remember going into uh, occupational therapy one day and they said, we're going to cook a meal today. They had this little mock-up kitchen, you know, and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I used to work in acute rehab. It was good times. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was something that I would have never considered I needed to do. But, you know, in retrospect, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that was really, really important. Not only from the practical angle of being able to do things on your own, but also as a confidence builder. Because so much of, I think, what amputees go through has a psychological piece as well, um, you know, which we, we've touched on a little bit today. But it's certainly, um, you know, a big component of overall health. Uh, in dealing with um, all of the new challenges that we face. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, the video blogs that you do. Again, like I said earlier, I've I've followed you um, on your journey. And when you started, you know, developing that content, it, because what I perceive... It, you're you're incredibly natural in that um, space, uh, unusually natural. I mean, it, it's just it just seems very very normal for you in, in the way that you approach it, the topics that you cover. It, it, there's certainly blogs where you know you get into some very specific language about um, your limb or prosthetics or process or best practices, all of that. It's great. And then you'll toss in, like I mentioned previous, there, were, there was that, that blog where you just made your bed. I mean, you just made your bed. You, you, I don't even think you even said anything. Um, no, I didn't say anything. Oh, and the weird thing about that video is that YouTube briefly demonetized it because huh. they said it was, they don't, it, they said that they demonetize material related to fetishes. And so I had to appeal to get my monetization back. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm gonna not gonna go there today. No, let's, let's not even go there. It's just so <laughs> weird. I'm like, what? I think weird is a good word. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've sort I'm just of doing a mundane thing. I'm making my bed with my clothes all on. What are you talking about? Yeah, there, were, there <laughs> was there was nothing. Um, not that you're not a, a a beautiful person, a beautiful woman. However, there was nothing that I would interpret as um, arousing in any way about that <laughs> yeah. particular video. Um, yeah, I don't know what 
I don't know what was going on with that. Yeah, to me, Maybe. to me, it was just um, I would characterize it if someone said, well, what you know, what is this? I, I would say this is a day in the life. Right. This this is what it's like to be an amputee. This is how. Wanted, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just I just wanted to show people how I made my bed. I just set up my camera, recorded it, and then threw it on YouTube. It was like I didn't even edit it. <laughs> exactly. I, I do recall a um, a particular video you did. Um, this was this was early in my journey. Uh, you rode a bike. And, you know, I'm a cyclist. I do a lot of bike riding. Um, one of the things that I was very much wanting to uh, get back into, but to be quite honest, I, I sort of had this block going on in my head of you're never going to do this again, was getting on a bike. And for me, you know, biking is very meditative. Um, being in the outdoors, it's something that I enjoy doing by myself. And it's something that I'm, I'm very much doing again. And I recall you, you did, you did this video. It, it, I mean, it was a really, really simple setup. It was like, Hey, I think I'm going to try to ride a bike today. And it was, it was so just sort of elementary, like this is, you know, it, it, it wasn't, it didn't come off rehearsed. It seemed very impromptu. Am I right on that? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I rehearsed. I don't rehearse a lot of my videos. Yeah. It was, it was very, it was very impromptu and you just work kind of went from this, this angle of, I'm just going to give it a try. Let's see what happens. And to me, it it broke down some walls for me. Like, hey, it, it's okay. It might seem a little strange. You might look a little silly. It might feel a little awkward. It's... Right, your foot might fall off the peg. <laughs> it happens. Go back on. Right, exactly. Um, it's 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 going to take a little time, but you gotta you gotta take that first step. You gotta try it. You know, it's not going to feel like it did before. You're wearing a prosthesis now. You know. You're not gonna you're not gonna put in the the 30, 35 miles today that you used to when you had two legs. But this is how it begins. It's just that awkward moment. And I I really, really appreciated that video, especially. It was just something that gave me the right fuel that I needed in that moment to get back on a bike again. Well, awesome. I'm glad that it had that effect on you. So so your approach when you're doing these things, I mean, is it random? Is it something that you pre-plan a little bit? Is it a mixed bag of both? Oh, it's a mixed bag of both. I have a list on my phone of videos I want to make, but then sometimes I might just be like, hey, hey, friend, can you record me doing this thing that I'm going to do? Thanks. Well, that's that's wonderful that you have someone that'll chase you around. I, I did enjoy your your video when you went to Home Depot. That was a good one too. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Or that I, I didn't plan that at all either. I was just like, I'm in this cart and it feels awkward. I'm going to make it more awkward by taking up my phone and talking to myself as I drive down the aisles. Yeah, no, that was awesome. And, um, su- super helpful. Uh, just again, it, it's just a day in the life and so many amputees out there that feel homebound, um, need to know, Hey, you, you can get out and do some shopping today. It's okay. There's a way to do it. Uh, and you've obviously worked around so many S curves in your journey. And I admire that tremendously. Um, you know, uh, I want to start wrapping things up here. The future for you, you know, how do you see that? You know, is 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 the video blog going to continue? You know, what what what's your game plan at this point? Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to continue my video blog. Um, I want to I want to branch out into some other stuff. Like I I have the amputee stuff, but that's not all the only aspect of my life that I think is valuable to put out there publicly. You know, I also uh, like for example, my husband is completely deaf. Uh, we have a son. I'm deaf. I use a cochlear implant and hearing aids. So there's all of this interesting intersectionality between, you know, uh, parenting and my relationship with my husband that I think uh, would be valuable for people. So I want to keep doing that uh, as long as I can stay motivated and dedicated to producing videos. Well, you know, I know I speak for a lot of people when I want to just wholeheartedly thank you for everything that you do. Um, It certainly had a huge impact on myself and many others that I have spoken to. And when we were starting to talk about this podcast and finding, you know, just really, really interesting, engaging people, guests that really had something to offer to this community, which let's face it, is is very underserved. Um, you were very, very much in my top five. Like I've I've got to reach out and you know, hopefully you would agree to coming on and talking to us today. So I so appreciate that. It's it's such a pleasure to finally meet you. And um even though I can't see you. Yeah, <laughs> we had some t- technical issues today, but um, no, I, I, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. And, um, you know, if you guys are, are looking for uh, Christina online, it's not hard to find her. Um, she does have a YouTube channel, uh, the Amputee OT, and uh, she's also very reachable on Facebook. Anything else you want to mention as far as people getting in contact with you or finding support for you? Oh, pretty much any social media platform. Probably the ones I'm most active on are YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. And that's all amputee OT. I try to keep my my brand all the same thing. So if you just plug it into Google. You'll find, I'm even on Twitter, but I don't use Twitter very often and Tumblr, which I don't use very often either. But those are the main ones is YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. Okay. Well, there you have it. That is uh, Christina Stevens. 
She is the amputee OT. And uh, I so appreciate you being here. And I, I, got, I really, really hope that we get to talk to you again in the future. Oh, yeah, sure. Definitely. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for us. This is the Amped Up to 11 podcast. I'm Rick Bonkowski. Health and happiness to everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. See you next time.